chapter 7, verses 7 to 11. Ask, and it, it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, our subject for the next four weeks in the run into Easter is going to be the good life. And I want us to see today that the beautiful life is just a prayer away. So that if we're not yet a follower of the Lord Jesus, we could step into the world of the beautiful life today. If we've been disciples of the Lord Jesus, we can renew an experience of the beautiful life such that the colors are as refreshingly vibrant and glisteningly positive as the day we first started the journey. We're restarting our time in the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount paints for us a picture of the beautiful life. And I think it's incontestable, really, that as you read the Sermon on the Mount, it gives you a sense of, you know, what life really should be all about. I don't know if you've come across Richard Baucom's uh, book, Jesus and the Eyewitnesses. It's a technical book. It's a book on the Gospels. And he explores the nature of eyewitness testimony. And as part of that exploration, he recounts an eyewitness account of an Auschwitz laborer on their way from the concentration camp uh, to a work base. And this individual stands on the shoulders or the back of another individual in the train carriage and peers out of the air vent at the top of the carriage. And this is what he says. I forgot already how normal people look, how they act, how they speak, how they dress. I saw the sun in Auschwitz. I saw it come up because we had to get up at four in the morning, but it was never beautiful to me. I never saw it shine. Here, there was life, and I had such a yearning. I still feel it in my bones. I had such a yearning to live, to run, to run away. Never come back. I told the girls in the carriage, girls, you have no idea how beautiful the sun is. I saw a baby crying. A woman was kissing the baby. Is there such a thing as love? It's an incredibly moving account. But I think there is a sense when you look at the Sermon on the Mount, it's as if you're kind of peering through that vent to what life should really be like. I, I mean, I defy anybody, really, to read the Sermon on the Mount and not to say, that's the beautiful life. And for the next few weeks, we come into what is an extended appeal at the end of the sermon, inviting us, appealing to us to get into this beautiful life. What I've done, if you've got your um, microscope with you, is there on the handout on the right-hand side, you can see a little sketch of something of the 
the way the Sermon on the Mount is organized. And if you can see it there, 5, 1 to 12, the beautiful life, it's sketched out for us. 5, 13 to 48, a piece on morality. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. Uh, Purity. You've heard that it was said, if anyone looks at a woman with lust in their eyes, they've already committed adultery in their heart. What person touched by the whole Me Too um, scandal and so forth would not long for that? Love, love your enemies. Then there's a piece on authentic spirituality. Uh, And Jesus exposes hypocrisy in spirituality and then promotes authenticity. And right at the heart of it is the Sermon on the Mount, is the the Lord's Prayer, a real relationship. And then there's a piece on satisfaction, contentment. Don't store up treasure on earth. You'll never find contentment just by getting stuff. Don't be anxious. Trust God. Seek first his kingdom. And then the sermon finishes with this extended piece of appeal. And you can see it's an appeal from our reading today. Ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. And so today, I want us to see that for every single one of us here, the beautiful life that Jesus sketches out in the Sermon on the Mount is just a prayer away. Ask, seek, knock. We'll spend the bulk of our time on that first point, that it's promised, and it is promised. Verse 7 contains three commands. Ask, and it will be seek. Knock, and the door will be opened. Each command is in the present tense. Ask, and go on asking. Seek, and go on seeking. Knock, and go on knocking. But I guess the question that those three demand is, for what? Yeah, it will be given, but what will be given? Uh, you will find, but what will you find? The door will be opened, but by whom and to what? And many of the treatments of these verses, verse 7 and 8 there, treat these verses as if it's a kind of general point on prayer, kind of ask for anything and it'll be given to you, (laughs) seek for anything and you'll get it. I have to tell you, if you go on the sermon catalogue of St. Helens, you'll find a talk of mine that treats it just like that, and I kind of sketched over the notes the other day, I had a glance at it, I thought, what an awful talk it was, I hope you weren't there to listen to it, and I'm trying to make sure it gets eradicated, we can remove some of our history. It gets into all sorts of trouble. What do you mean, ask for anything? And then the preacher has to give any number of um, qualifications. But actually, in the context of the sermon as a whole, can it really be that Jesus is encouraging us to ask ask for anything? I don't think so. So he's just said in chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God and it will be given to you. And then just down over the page there in verse 13, he says, enter by the narrow gate. And he's talking about this relationship with the Father, which is the kingdom of God. Surely it's right to say then that as we enter this appeal section, Jesus is saying, look, here is the beautiful life. Now ask for it, seek it, knock on the door, and it will be yours. 
You can see why I say the beautiful life is just a prayer away. I sat next to somebody earlier this morning who works for CFC, click for cover. Hey, that's quite clever, isn't it? Ask for admittance. Ask, seek, knock. Sorry, CFC is a company in insurance, just in case you were wondering. So five observations on this verse 7 and 8. Observation one, the fact that Jesus commands us to pray and promises that our prayer will be answered, I think that's quite instructive. It suggests that this beautiful life comes as a gift. Yes, we're to ask for it. But no, it's not something that we earn through our asking. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. So it comes as a gift, this beautiful life that God holds out for us. It's accessed simply by coming to him in humility and asking. And that puts pay to any notion that we earn it or that the place in this kingdom that is so attractive comes as a reward for a life well lived. The beautiful life is ours by grace. Ask and it will be given. It's just a prayer away. And of course, that contrasts absolutely with so much which passes as religion. I was talking about this with a couple of friends yesterday, and they said, you know, so much of religion is, you know, wear a hair shirt and then you'll get it, or do penance, contrition, and retribution, and then you'll get it. It's kind of performance-related that Jehovah's Witnesses visit a thousand doors and you'll have a place amongst the 144,000. Prosperity gospel devotees Donate so much money and then you'll be blessed. Muhammad Ali, for those of us of an age to remember him, I have a tallying angel watching all through life, counting the good deeds against the bad. Service to others is the rent you pay for your room in the hereafter. No, says Jesus, that's not true spirituality. Come to God, ask, seek, knock. It's a gift. Having said that, it is a gift that comes by grace. The second observation comes from this, that these are present continuous commands. Ask and go on asking. Seek and go on seeking. Knock and go on knocking. That means that whilst we enter with just a prayer, it's given as a gift, an ongoing experience of this life, for which we all long, requires persistence. And I guess this is a word for us, you know, who've perhaps been knocking along in the Christian life for a little bit longer. You sometimes come across a person suggesting they're growing a little stale, a bit bland, everything's a touch gray. Are we still asking? Are we still seeking urgently? Are we still knocking expectantly? One of the very best treatments of the Sermon on the Mount that I come across is by Don Carson. If you can get this, it's worth selling your shirt for. It really is outstanding. And uh, I think you'll be able to get it secondhand, probably. Not prayer envisaged as an occasional pious request for some isolated blessing, but rather a burning pursuit of God This asking is an asking for the virtues Jesus has just expounded. This seeking is a seeking for God. This knocking is a knocking at heaven's throne room. The Western world is not characterized by prayer, 
our low spiritual ebb is directly traceable to the flickering feebleness of our prayers. So I think the fact that this is present continuous, you know, the Christian faith, it's not a temporary high to be assumed or discarded at will according to the present level of excitement. It's an orientation of the whole of life. So in the whole of life, we Christians, we're we're asking, we're seeking, we're knocking. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Lord, please make me poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn their sin. Lord, please show me my sin. And help me to see that it's an awful thing. Blessed are the meek. Lord, please make me meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Please grant me a fresh hunger and a thirst. Ask, seek, knock. A persistent and an urgent affair. And it just may be that if our kind of spiritual experience is a little cold, a little dull, a little gray, a little drab, then some of us kind of old sweats in the Christian life. We've lost some of that urgency. Observation three, it is a command. Actually, it's three commands. Ask, says Jesus. Seek, says Jesus. Knock, says Jesus. Three straight commands. And the fact that it's a command is instructive. It's an objective instruction from God the Son, the King of the kingdom. We could spend a whole Tuesday on this. He has the authority to offer it. He's the king. He presides over the good life. The beautiful life is his to give. Ask him. He will give it. Come to Jesus and ask. And the good life comes on his terms, not mine. So this is not me seeking trivialities. Ask, seek, knock. A luxury bespoke kitchen, a holiday villa in the Algarve, the covery of the fortunes of my favorite football team, promotion, a permanent significant other. No, this is not me asking for those kind of things. We're asking for access to his kingdom on his terms, the beautiful life that he has outlined. It's a command from the king of kings. And then the fact that it's accompanied by a promise of an immediate answer is also suggestive. Ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. It's not like the invitation to the coronation that you may or may not have received. Save the date. Hopeful, perhaps, that... uh, Rice cakes and Rivita biscuits now will be replaced by champagne and lobster tails then. No, it's immediate. And all through the sermon, this has been the case. We speak to our Father in heaven. We have treasure now in heaven, a relationship with God today. Ask, seek, knock. It's yours, and it will transform your life. And much more to come, but real joy and real relationship, real membership. Now, my fifth little observation, you know, who would have thought you'd see all these things from just this one verse, ask, seek, knock, is this, and you can agree or disagree with this, I'm not quite sure myself, may have to scrub this from the catalogue as well, this little observation. Is there a progression here? Ask, initial curiosity, seek, ensuing search, knock, 
I've arrived at the right door. Please open. Well, you can discuss that. We can discuss that at the end. Ask, seek, knock. So many people seek the beautiful life, don't they? So many people want the good life, and the city kind of offers the beautiful life. But after 25 years working here, so many things that are offered as the beautiful life, I find, person after person finds, don't really satisfy. You know, permanent golf on the Argave in your holiday villa actually does not really satisfy. Dave Gilmore of Pink Floyd, after they'd found fame, Once they found flame, well, why? What's next? Steve Harmison, after they become number one in the world, expletive, now what? Andrew Strauss, holding that mace aloft to say we're number one in the world, it was a bit of an anticlimax. Jesus says, ask, seek, knock, and you will find life to the full. Ask says somebody, well, that just is too good to be true, and I'm not sure I can really get into it. To which God responds, well, you don't know what I'm like. So verses 9 through 11. Which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks him for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more... Will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, this little picture, these two images, they're very, very graphic, and I've got into terrible trouble in the past for telling them too graphically. People are upset, particularly parents of small children, but I think they're meant to be graphic, so I'm not going to repent of that. You know, we know how to give good gifts to our children, How much more will God give good gifts to those who ask? And could the reason that we don't come to God and ask him for access to the good life be because really we don't think God is good? That the father at the heart of this kingdom is actually not loving and Jesus gives us these two incidents, two, two examples, I think, to show us that God is not hiding. God is not holding himself aloof. God is not dangling the beautiful life just six centimeters out of our reach and forever moving the goalposts. God is good. And we, even though we are evil, we'll come to that in just a moment. Jesus says, we know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more? So it's approaching Christmas Day. Jimmy has written his letter to Santa and duly posted it up the chimney. He desperately wants a pet goldfish and a brand new goldfish bowl for his pet to inhabit. And on Christmas Eve, we find Jimmy's dad carefully taking out the prize bowl that he's selected from PiscinePalaces.com. And then under the rather exquisite arch, Jimmy's dad nestles with great care an Australian inland taipan, the most venomous snake on the planet. It's unthinkable. It's the end of the school day. Sarah heads to the primary gate to pick up her little one, Serena. 
She's carrying in her hand a Cadbury's cream egg because Serena loves Cadbury's cream eggs and they're all over the shops on the approach to, to Easter. And Serena, when she sees it, is ecstatic and she chomps down her childly-like teeth on it, two of which break, the third and fourth are chipped, her mouth fills with blood, it was made of stone. Ha! It's absurd. And we know how to give good gifts to our children. We wouldn't dream of doing such a thing. What is our view of God? He is good. He gave his only son to die on the cross for us. He loves us. He cares for us. Ask, seek, knock. Well, we've only just begun to scratch the surface, haven't we? Do you know Augustine, it, sorry, you don't know Augustine, neither do I. Augustine in the 4th and 5th century, uh, AD that is, he said this famous statement, thou hast made us for thyself and we are restless until we find our rest in thee. All around us we see this restless dis-ease everywhere. It's what Strauss captures, isn't it, when he says, it was a bit of an anticlimax, but I've worked for this all this time, and then it was a bit of an... Yeah, because you haven't got the God who created the universe at the heart of it all. A restless disease. And the Lord Jesus offers us the beautiful life with the God who made us. It goes on to eternity, and he is the God who is good. And we just ask for acceptance. Ask, seek, knock. Did you notice the sting in the tail? You, though you are evil. I think I want to say, actually, if we don't want this good life, if we won't ask for it, uh, what does that say about us? And if we won't pursue it and keep on asking, what's the verdict on us? Well, do come back next week. Next week, you're talking about entering through the narrow door. So it's a, it's a great, this extended appeal. And do bring friends and colleagues. I'd love to see you next week. I'm going to lead us in prayer, and uh, then we'll head our way. Well, our Father, you have commanded us to ask and to seek and to knock, and whether we've been Christians for decades or whether we're just exploring, we want to do just that right now. Our Father in heaven, we pray that you would create in us a hunger for you, a real passion to grow into the sort of people you outline here in the Sermon on the Mount a deep relationship with you, the living God, such that we really do know you as our Father. Please make us those who obey this command to ask, to seek, to knock. In Jesus' name, amen.